Hello and welcome to the stack. Today's show is all about beautiful things. I pay a visit to the Smithson shop in Sloan Street to speak with their creative director on the company's stationery and famed notebooks. Also on the show, a pleasure to speak with the team behind Apartamento magazine about their new issue and their pop-up shop in Berlin. Enjoy the show. From Midori House in London, this is The Stack. 30 minutes of print industry analysis, and I am Fernando Augusto Pacheco. Recently here on The Stack, I had the pleasure to speak with Roland Allen on his book about the history of the notebook. So you can check out, I think it was two or three shows ago. Inspired by that, I decided that I wanted to do a story of one of the most famed luxury retailers of leather goods, diaries, stationery. It is Smithson, of course, which opened their first boutique in Bond Street back in 1887. The traditional brand, known for the signature blue paper, keep adding new models for their diaries and notebooks. And in the middle of their busiest season, I've stopped by at their store in London's Sloan Street to speak with the creative director of the brand, Luc Godadin. So I've been here since 2017, I believe, so it's been a while. And it's a fantastic, it's a fantastic house. It's one of the oldest luxury accessories and stationary brands in the UK. We've got an amazing, rich history. And I think you're interested in, in notebooks and notebooks and diaries are key to what we do. I was going to ask precisely, I mean, we're here in this room, there's a lot of beautiful bags and all the products that I know Smithson does very well. But how important is the stationary bit, and especially the diaries and notebooks? Because when I think of Smithson, at least from my personal side, that's the first thing that comes to mind. Exactly. I think it's something that very early on in the history of the brand became quite important. And I think that we are known around the world for, for the blue pages and for the notebooks. Since the sort of 1880s, you know, 1887 is when the brand was started. Frank Smithson, who is our founder, was a, weirdly, was a, a silversmith. So he dealt in silverware, goldware, or sort of more jewellery, metalwork. Paper came a little bit later. He was a real sort of Victorian entrepreneur who really wanted to create everything and anything that Victorian travelling customer could want. And paper quickly became something that he was interested in. And so since 1908, really, which is when he created the first Panama notebook, which was the first time you could get a whole year's worth of paper into a small notebook that would fit in your jacket pocket, it really became a sort of runaway success. So paper is very important. And even though we do a lot of other things, including leather, bags, small accessories, travel goods, all that kind of thing, paper remains a sort of signature for the brand, a real differentiator. What do you do in terms of innovation? Because when I have a feeling that you have those kind of loyal customers as well, that perhaps they don't want to see much change. So how change is implemented? Is it perhaps bit by bit, you have to perhaps be quite careful on that as well, right? Yeah, you do. I think it's about offering variety. So obviously we've got brilliant building blocks. So you start off with your, your classic notebooks and diaries, and obviously they all share things in common, which is a very skilled manufacturing process. So we have workshops outside of London where our artisans create these notebooks. It's very handmade still. It's about 15 different artisans that touch at various parts of the process, the, the making of the books. It's the blue pages and legend has it that 
Frank Smyson was ordering some paper that some ink contaminated the featherweight pages. They came out blue. Um, he did not want to waste anything. So he thought, well, we'll do some blue pages for some notebooks. People bought them. People loved them. And people came back saying, can we have more blue pages? So that's how the blue pages came in. And that's become a, a signature. And obviously blue is a big part of our brand. So they all share that, that sort of commonality. Then what you do is play around with the covers. So we've done printed covers, hand-painted. And obviously every season we have a whole plethora of colors that join our sort of evergreen colors. And then what we've been doing as well, playing around with content. So we've done a collaboration with Fiona Leahy uh, a couple of years ago around Notes on Entertaining, which uh, was an amazing success and continues to be a great success. And within that, you've got both visual and written content, uh, various sections that the customers can fill in. We've also created My First Smithson, which is a really fun notebook aimed at kids. So that's got a mixture of blue pages and sort of colorful content. And it's all about sort of introducing children around the ages of eight, nine to journaling and to the beauty of putting your thoughts down on paper. In terms of the collections, is the Panama still the king of the notebooks? It is. Yeah. Uh, Panama is definitely the king of the notebooks. And I think, again, it's got a great sort of story in, in, in the sense that Frank Smyson was inspired by his Panama hat and by the mesh pattern of, of that hat and how you could roll it up and it wouldn't crinkle or, or make any markings. So he replicated that pattern on, on leather, which we still have today. And, and it is still the big sort of leading leather. What we also have is the Ludlow leather, which is a sort of very soft, matte, luxurious calfskin. And we do our evergreen notebooks in that. So the notebooks are removable and the, the sleeve remains the same. And that has a different customer and a different vibe to it. What about the leather? I love the soft bound, but do you also have hard bound leather or it was more kind of this kind of slightly softer one. Well, the, the word that's used in our archive by Frank Smyson is the yes. word floppy. floppy. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So the floppiness and the softness, I think it gives you the practicality of the fact that if you don't want to carry it around, you're not carrying a sort of brick and it's going to move with you. And I think that that was very much the idea at Inception was this idea of softness, malleability, the luxury that comes with the softness. And so we've, we've maintained that. We, we do have hardbound books you know, sort of photo albums, things like that, that, that we produce. But really the core of the, of the world of diaries and notebooks for, for Smithson is this idea of lightness and softness and things that, that move with you, but that you don't have to sort of move around and, and make too much analysis for. Look, one question, uh, I was talking to the author of a guy who wrote, uh, you know, the history of the notebook, basically. And we were talking that in this digital world, perhaps a lot of people, they say, they're needing their notebooks more than ever. And at least from a personal point of view, I always forget what I write on my mobile. I think there's something quite special of writing things in a book. Do you see that? Do you see perhaps even younger customers, I don't know, who are interested in your selection of notebooks? I mean, you just mentioned you have them, my first mice on there. <laughs> but yeah, absolutely. There's a, there's a customer that's slightly older. And, and as you say, I think that where we, we have seen real growth is around a younger customer who's really interested in things which are not transient, but things that you keep. And I, I think particularly with notebooks and, and the world of paper, there is a sort of magic alchemy that happens when someone takes an object that's been you know, produced by a company like ours, and then they start putting notes in there. And it can be anything. It can be very domestic or it can be very 
special, you know, people, we've got poets, we've got writers who use our notebooks, we've got artists. So I think that there's a sort of magic and that imbues the product with a sort of value that is far beyond just what it contains. And we have a lot of customers, old and, and young, who send us photographs of the rows of notebooks and diaries that they have. And they keep them, they become a sort of archive of their lives, of their thoughts, of what happened. And I think that there's a real beauty to that. So going back to that younger customer, I think that having an object that you keep and becomes part of your archive has got huge attraction. And obviously there's the whole world of journaling, of, of making notes, of contemplation. We're, we're working on those concepts as well. I think that those are things which have huge value to today's customer. Look, what does Christmas means for the brand? And I'm talking, of course, because, you know, you sell diaries and people, mm. perhaps that's the time when people are buying it. Is December your busiest month of the year or? Yeah, I think like a lot of Western luxury brands, Christmas is a really big period for us. Mm. I think what's really interesting with diaries and notebooks is they are probably equally self buys as they are gift buys. And I think that there's something very special about giving someone of any age a notebook or a diary, because I think it's the sort of really gorgeous gift that you know someone is going to love using. But we know that it's also the time of year when people buy it for themselves. They either are buying a diary, so they want the beginning of the year, or it's their luxurious indulgence to put pen to paper on the blue pages. And that has a really special meaning for a lot of people on a personal level. So I think it's both a perfect gift, but also the thing that you treat yourself with in the deep midwinter. <laughs> I mean, yes. <laughs> and, and, and look, I mean, sorry if that's a personal question, but... Which uh, notebook do you use? I mean, perhaps just to give inspiration to I, our listeners. <laughs> it's not overly personal. But I, think <laughs> yes. I can answer that. So I have a Soho format evergreen notebook. So I love the fact that I can keep the, the sleeve and remove the interior and replace it because you can go through lots of pages, even though our paper is so fine that you can, you can have many pages. But that's my favorite. And I love the Soho format, which fits in pretty much any bag and even a large coat pocket will fit it. So that's my favorite. Thank you very much, Luke. And for more information on Smiveson, just go to smiveson.com or just visit one of their lovely shops as well, which I think is always a better experience. Apartamento magazine is always a favorite of mine. And issue 32 does not disappoint, with possibly one of my favorite covers of the year. It involves two dogs and a blue tile toilet. I'll say no more. To tell us more about the issue and also about Apartamento's pop-up shop in Berlin, I spoke with Marco Velardi, publisher and creative director of the brand, and Robbie Whitehead, editorial director for Apartamento. Marco Velardi and Robbie Whitehead from Apartamento, welcome to the stack. It's always a pleasure to have the Apartamento team on the show because Apartamento is a classic. I think it's one of the favorite from our listeners as well. And Marcus, perhaps I'll just start with you because I know you are actually right now talking to us from the Apartamento pop-up shop uh, in Berlin. What can you tell us about the shop? I mean, is it was it kind of a special kind of Christmas kind of shop for Apartamento? Tell us a bit more about that. Yeah, I mean, I think it started a bit more like that, that we wanted to kind of try come up with something now for the holiday season. But I think it's kind of um, a step in a series of experiments that we're doing uh, in terms of retail. We did a pop-up shop in Milan for Salona in April. It was pretty successful. I mean, Robbie operated pretty much that shop and we launched like a limited edition 
So we did realize that there is obviously an opportunity for us to create a retail experience with our own books and our own magazine and, and, and you know environment for people to come together and enjoy our publications. Berlin kind of came to be because obviously we have space here that has been our office for about a couple of years. And the front of it is obviously like a retail shop. So we already started a process when we moved in here with Sam Shermoya, which is one of our authors and also quite a sort of a Berlin architect, I would say. And we kind of created, you know, the space together in pieces. So we started with a bit of modifications and then, you know, the shop kind of accelerated into a full concept. And the shop will be open until December 22nd. So just in time for your holiday gift. And of course, the biggest <laughs> star, I guess, of the shop is the brand new edition as well, which is out very recently is issue 32. Uh, and Robbie, I just want to, you know, come to you to talk about it. I mean, first of all, can we talk about the cover? I mean, I think it's such a special cover. I mean, if you don't mind describing it, and, and we're even talking before the interview started that some people even think, was this AI generated? I mean, is this real? Because it's fascinating. There's a dog in it, I have to say it here as well. There's a dog, there's two dogs. Yeah, two, two dogs. dogs. I think uh, also a first for us, funnily enough, the first toilet to appear on an apartment cover which i was surprised by you know looking back we have a we have a thing with toilets and there's other toilets within the magazine famous people's toilets or interesting people's toilets but now we've got a nice toilet on the on the cover which is good mariana ruffin is the artist this is her home in upstate new york she's reading bell hooks all about love and that funnily enough came up several times organically within the issue as well so like lots of different people are kind of referencing the book so that I think, I think we all saw this photograph and pretty much immediately knew that there was a cover. Like we, we, I think are maybe a bit infamous for never promising our covers to anyone. And like, it really is the last decision before we go to print. And I'd have to say that this has been one of the easier processes in the last maybe 30 so issues. It's just been, you know, such a strong cover. And I think everyone's like, yep, it's gotta be this one. Robbie, I, have a, I, have a, I don't know. I have a curiosity, actually. I mean, when it comes to the subjects of, of, of the magazine, I have a feeling that a lot of people want to kind of be featured at Apartamento. Is it a mix mm. to meet those people? Is it quite organic, as you were mentioning there as well? Or, 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 or how, does that, mm. how does it work? Um, I mean, this process of selection of who is actually going to be featured, which homes will be featured? It is. I think organic is, is the word. Like, it's, it's, it's really... It really is an organic process. It's something, I feel like a lot of the stories are kind of produced by contributors that we've had for, for many years. Also new contributors that are coming to, to the table more recently, but like there's kind of a lot of like series, I would say, like within the magazine that have been initiated already, like years for many years, you know, they've kind of began and, and maybe they're little collections of people involved in the world of food maybe, or in the world of art or architecture or ceramics or who knows, like I'm trying to think what a photography. And I, I kind of, I've always found it hard to explain my thoughts about why I think Departamento is kind of attractive to our readership. But more and more, I think it's got something to do with this kind of this ongoing quest to kind of fill up or fill out these mini series within the issue, you know? So, it is organic in that sense because you kind of jump from one to the other and begin new series all the time. So, but in one way or another, like every story has its roots in somewhere else in 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 a previous issue maybe or in a previous conversation with the, the, or some, you know in that way it's organic. 
What about you, Marco? Tell us, I mean, as I said, Apartamento is just publishing issue 32. I mean, it's 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 been going on for a while. It, it feels like it's an incredible success. How do you see the magazine today compared perhaps uh, with the launch? How many years ago was it the launch? I think we're looking at maybe a turning 16, 17, wow. I would say, I think in this period of time. Almost an adult, right? <laughs> Yeah. No, but I think the magazine has not changed so much, but at the same time, it changed a lot. You know, as I said, I think Robbie used the word organic and you used it, I guess, as well. I think the imprint is the curiosity that we have in terms of like digging for people and digging for places and digging for connections. So I think the spirit and I think Robbie embodies that spirit that we probably started with Nacho and Omar myself and, you know, and he carried over and he's developing his own. So I think what you described Robbie as a sort of mini series and a sort of continuation, I think it's exactly that. I think we started something, Robbie jumped on it, you know, kind of like created his own path through it. And that comes together with what the magazine is today. So yes, I mean, you could probably pinpoint specific, let's say, changes that came across maybe like some design learnings or some, you know, approach to stories on the way we kind of would profile that person or I would profile like somebody else or like kind of creating layers on stories and I think this is what made us evolve I mean we even had like supplements in the magazine initially sometimes and I think this is also coming back with like fictions mm -hmm. or sometimes more architecture or maybe it can also be food as Robbie described or different areas so I think the spirit is the same and the magazine is just evolving and and changing and at the same time in that organic sense is still staying contemporary and timeless at the same time so yeah if you ask me I think we're still the same magazine uh, we just kind of Continue moving same. forward, floating. Same but different. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, a little I bit. Think, I was, was going to say, I think there is, yeah, like the, obviously the roots are very clearly there. I think there's a kind of playfulness in the approach to these articles. I think for a while, maybe maybe from issue 25 to 30, perhaps, our bread and butter was the Q&A format. And I think it still is. But we've started to challenge that a bit more and play with that a bit more. And I think you can see that in some of the in, in the articles in this issue, like the Akwayaki Amezi piece, which is an A to Z interview format. So going through the alphabet written by Gina Kaya. Also in the photography, I think there's a playfulness. There's a kind of a more performative aspect in, in some of the stories, not all of them, which I think we've been very happy with it in this issue. There's also a kind of, I think it's a bit of a blurring of fiction and reality, which you know, I mean, the cover, could, the cover tells it all. Yeah, right? <laughs> exactly. I think the cover is quite representative of that. And the photographs in Mariana's piece shot by Chris Luttrell, a new photographer for us. We've, it's the first time we've worked with Chris. They just, it, to me, it feels like a, a film. Every photograph I look at, I'm just like, this is a film. It's a set, you know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm imagining the vibe. I can, uh, you know, like what kind of film it is, what kind of story, what's going on. It's, 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 they challenge you to think, what's going on here and it definitely doesn't feel like it's per se normal you know it's like something's going on and it and it's whether it's sinister or not i think it's a question but anyway i feel i feel like it's it's its own film i want to see this film going back to your question i think that in a way also the books that we published today and then you know robbie and the team in barcelona creating are also like further answer to that quest of like you know research and, and deep diving into something that is like content you know so as maybe we spoke, like, you know, Apartamento today is not just a magazine. It's also like a, a full publishing house. We publish around 10 to 12 books a year and they go on different subjects, food, photography, yeah. interior, you know, comics. And, you know, we, again, really different spectrum. And I think this is also the, you know, Robert, the further investigation, 
maybe also creating this other side of the publishing house allows the magazine also to have a, another level of like, like you call it irony or self kind of awareness of what it is and what it could be, you know? So the blurriness of like, is it real? Is it fake? Is it AI? I think, you know? <laughs> is, it a, is it a set? I think every book that we've done over the last six, since we ventured into publishing beyond the magazine has its roots somewhere or other in the mag in the magazine as well. So like, I think it's, you know, the magazine continues on in that way in its own right, but the books we do are offshoots and their chances to explore an artist's work, a theme, a topic in more pages, you know, because I think a lot of, we feel maybe hemmed in sometimes with only 32, 18, 24 pages, you know, which is what, what are typically, well, maybe 16 to 24 is a typical length of an article, an apartamento article, but, but the books are in a similar way, very organic. I got to say, one of my favorite things about Apartamento is the, is, is the visual inspiration as well. So even the same article with Mariana, I love the sunken living room. I mean, oh, man. I, I, but, but I think I, I love it. I think they should be back. But I think every issue of Apartamento gives me <laughs> an inspiration. I think that's such an important part of the magazine. And you told me that's a new photographer, right? So I, I guess you guys always want to work with new talent as well, not just perhaps kind of the apart Apartamento core group, right? I love the fact that we are still working with, there are still contributors that have been contributing since issue one, you know, and we're on a regular, we're in contact regularly, you know, and they're still contributing there. And they, they know us better than we know ourselves, I think, at this stage. Like, but at the same time, we're, we're meeting new people, we're developing new ideas with new photographers that we come across, and we're super open to building the apartment, so like community, um, and yeah, yeah. And it's funny, you have the kind of, the original crew, and then you have the new, vanguard and they complement each other very like i have to give one other example which is the king cruel piece which in my mind leaves if you read this piece and don't have more questions than when you started then something's gone wrong it's it's bizarre in its own way and, and we had a lot of fun here because we were kind of challenging the reader to kind of decide what's true and what's not true and not really telling them that they even need to make that decision the reason I'm saying that is because this is a project we worked on with Carmen Hall and Frank LeBon, two of the newest contributing editors to the magazine. We've done four pieces with them over the last four or five years, and they have their even their own typeface. So we only we give them the courier typeface for some reason. We've developed their own little section, you know, because they kind of challenge our traditional approach. And so, like, we typically we know that when we come to them with an idea or if they come to us with an idea we're not going to get exactly what we don't know what we're going to get and that's the fun of it i think anyway we have a, a six foot dog in the background of the side archie king cruel which was made for the shoot actually and then you know that's not said anywhere but it's like a paper mache dog it's actually archie's dog that passed away and we had it made in memoriam of his dog um which i'm trying to think of the name now oh, i'm gonna have to look this up but anyway it's an interesting article. I don't know if you had a look at that one, because I'd like to know if you had any thoughts about it, like if it was if it made any sense or if it came across as like just strange. <laughs> no, I don't think it was strange at all. But I, yeah, it's quite it's unusual, I think, you know, but I, I think it's a lovely story, a great shoot as well. I, I thought it was a great another great article. So and also Marco. Patch, if I... Patch was the name of the dog. Oh, sorry, I'm sorry, sorry. Patch. Patch. Pretty sure. Yeah, that's a great <laughs> name for a dog. <laughs> Good name. <laughs> and Marco, you are right now at the shop in Berlin. Of course, besides the new issue you mentioned, you guys publish 
several books a year. Are you also selling those books at the shop? And, and I wonder if you could tell us perhaps what has been the highlights or perhaps the newest books that are out now. Yeah, we're selling all the books at the shop. We're also selling some old editions that basically are sold out and some limited editions. Like the, we made some, you know, Robbie um, for Salon, as I mentioned, made some Misha Khan special bookcases edition. They're one-off made. We will have soon, I guess, Robbie, the Serban UNESCO also edition, uh, I suppose. Um, yeah. And, you know, so we are expanding in this territory that goes beyond the single paper. And so we went from the magazine to the book and then making the book into an object. And again, this is, I think, trying to expand our boundaries as well and our experience also with the people that we we, we work with, you know, uh, and the people we also, you know, as I belong to this extended apartment to family, as Robbie mentioned. The latest, I think, that Robbie probably can tell you better, but I mean, we just had a Casa de Lee shot by um, Coco Capitan, which again is one of contributor and friend of the magazine. And I think this is quite a big book now, Robbie. It's been in the making, or at least in, the, yeah. in our yeah. minds for a while. Then yes. we had a second Serban UNESCO book. There's also like another artist that we've been collaborating and, you know, Robbie's been very close to in the past few years and developed already a previous book and is the second one. And then we have a recently that is coming out, I guess, next week or very soon, a first big cookbook for Frederick Billebra, the Copenhagen-based chef, to celebrate the 10 years anniversary of Atelier September, which is a, a cafe, in, you know, has been kind of a Copenhagen staple for avocado toast. And no, I'm joking, but, you know, it's basically, um, you know, our first foray into big cookbooks, no, Robbie? Um, how would you call it? You could say that it's a blueprint for how to live a good life, eat well and be happy. That's what we said on the blurb. <laughs> that's what we need. That's uh, that's Atelier September, a place for daytime cooking. This is just back from the printer, so we're we're inspecting it with a looking glass to make sure that everything's in order. It's looking very good. I love that you guys have a passion for print. I was looking even the, the latest issue, over three hundred eighty pages. I mean, that's just fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I wonder we, when we, we break we... the the four hundred. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, no, no. And it's I funny because I think it... we reached three eighty four. Three eighty four has been the page count for the last maybe four or five issues. So I think we've reached a good limit because before then it just kept growing. It was kind of like more pages, more pages. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think also, I mean, the funny feeling is that everybody thinks every issue is thicker than the previous one. There's some kind of this level of like feeling that apartmental keeps mushrooming, but yeah, so far we're there, but well, I'm sure we'll pass the 400 pages mark at some point. Hopefully shipping doesn't uh, get affected too much. But yeah, so no, I mean, I hope I answer your question on the on the book. So we just released three new titles and, and the objective is obviously, as I mentioned to you, we are around 10 to 12 books a year um, on different subjects. One, Marco. You forgot, you forgot one. Ah, the cookbook. Correct. Yes, we released got our, four... our own cookbook. Yeah. Yes, correct. Sorry, I apologize. That's uh, uh, I think it's, it's issue cookbook number eight, actually, already. It's so this eight, is actually yeah. one of the longest running projects that we've done. It is actually a charity book. So we always been donating 20% of the profits to a child oncology foundation in, in, in Barcelona. And the Vicky Vecchia, Childhood yes, Oncology that, Foundation. Yeah. That's it. And if you're a dog in the background, I'm sitting in the shop. So probably there's just a dog passing by. I guess I'm very happy to see the cover. Uh, can, um, can, can, I, can, I, can you take your dog to the shop? We're, we're dog friendly here at Monaco. You, <laughs> You can. I think, you know, we have some time dogs in the studio. I, I can't wait for the cat issue, Robbie. Are you going to do it the next one? <laughs> After this dog. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're going to have a cat on the cover. We do have a cat in this issue, speaking of cats. Aquaeki Amezi's cat. Pretty amazing cat, actually. Uh, it's a pretty, I think, what it's a, spe it's a special type of cat. Is that a Siamese? 
I can't tell. I'm not a cat expert. Actually, there are um, a lot yeah, of pets. So, There's a dog here as well. I've been, I'm spotting a lot of pets, actually, on this issue. Maybe pets. it's a new thing. Yeah. You know, we're, tar- we're targeting pet owners. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they have a flamingo, a blow-up flamingo. That's amazing. Listen, Robbie, Marco, a pleasure talking to you guys. Always great to have a Patamento here on the show. Thank you so much for the chat. Thank you, Fernando. Thank you very much, Marco and Robbie. And the new issue of Apartamento is out now. And the Apartamento bookshop is open till the 22nd of December in Berlin. And that's it for this week's show. My thanks as ever to our editor, Jack Jewers. If you have any comments or queries, feel free to write to me, Fernando, at fbandmonaco.com. We're back next Saturday at 10 a.m. London time. Meanwhile, you can listen to the show again on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Please subscribe if you can as well. Before we go, a little song for you. It's Ila J with home. You've been listening to The Stack. I'm Fernando Augusto Pacheco. Thank you very much. Baby, I'm home, I'm home, I'm home.